What's going on, everybody? I told you I would be back super fast. I gotta do this more consistently, like how I did this one. So I can just be bam, 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 bam. I hope you guys didn't hear that helicopter. If you did, I apologize. But the fights were crazy yesterday. I got into that this episode. Um, I'm gonna go see Lamb of God and Megadeth September. Finally get to see In Flames. That's one band that I've listened to, to for a long time and have not got to see them play live. I'm really excited about that. But anyway, guys, have a good show coming up. Please listen to all of it. Remember, follow me on my social media at Punch in the Mouth Official on Instagram. My Twitter is PITM underscore official. Finally, I don't have to say I think anymore because I finally stopped being lazy and looked it up. And there's a lot more to come, guys. I just don't want to talk about it because then I talk about it. And then I don't do it in the time I say I'm going to do it. But I'm just going to say there's a lot more stuff coming. I promise. All right. Deuces. Everybody, I hope everybody's doing good. UFC 262 in the books, bro. I should just stop saying who's gonna win, huh? Like, I should just keep it to myself and say, I told you guys that was gonna happen. But then, if I don't speak it, you you guys will tell me I'm full of shit. So, I think I'm just gonna keep being loud and obnoxious when it comes to predicting fights. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But anyway, let's get into it. Charles Oliveira. Do you guys know what Dubronx means? It means the ghetto. Because when he first started training, they're like, hey, there's that kid from Dubronx, which is Portuguese for the ghetto. In his 23rd UFC fight, he becomes UFC lightweight champion. Now... What I don't want to see happen, because I always see this happen, it's happening to Jan Brakovic right now, which is unfair to him, is that because Habib Nurmagomedov left the division, they're going to say he's not the real champion because he would have never beat Habib. If you're stuck in that mindset, like, don't talk to me, bro, because what's he going to do? Like, he can't force Khabib to come out of retirement. He's the champion now. We have to see him as the champion. Like, we have to see Jan Brakovic as champion. Like, somebody told me, like, well, we have to see him defend it once. I'm like, why? He's the champion. They put the belt on him. Now, if it was a circumstance that he was interim champion, for example, the Henan Burrell thing, where he became interim champion because Dominic Reyes was just, I mean, not Reyes, Cruz was plagued by injuries. Like, okay, because Cruz was still fighting, but those two never fought. 
Like, I get that. But if a dude walks away and vacates the bum, be like, I'm not going to be back anytime soon. We consider this guy the champion. There's no interim attached to his name because the Hen and Burrell situation going back, he was the interim champ for about two years. He even defended it, I want to say, either once or twice. And after that, they just um, sanctioned him as the champion because they didn't see Dominic Cruz coming back anytime soon. But there's no interim attached to this belt, so he's the champion. Like, end of story. Like, he's the next one. He's the 11th champion. Habib was the 10th. McGregor was the ninth, so this he's not the real champion. This and that. Don't even come at me with that, cause I will shut you down. Like, don't even come at me with that. He is the legitimate champion, and he's got hungry contenders gunning for him now. But that's what he wanted. So who's next for Charles Oliveira? The right answer. Is Justin Gaethje. That's what should happen. Is that what's going to happen? I don't think so. Oh, hold on. Let me backtrack. If Conor McGregor beats Dustin Poirier. The one that should fight Charles. Is Justin Gaethje. But we all know that if Conor McGregor beats Dustin Poirier. He's getting the next title shot. Like, it's plain and simple. The winner of Poirier McGregor is getting the next title shot. Especially if Conor wins in devastating fashion by leaving Poirier stiff in the middle of the octagon like Usman left Masvidal. That's not even a dig at Masvidal. That's what I'm, like, if it's that impressive, there's no denying him. Like Dana saying he doesn't know, he knows. He knows very well. I love you, Dana, but we both know you know. When he says, I don't know, it's because he already knows but doesn't want to tell you. I learned that from him when he said that they weren't selling back in, was it 2015? No, 2016. When they sold back in 2016. He kept saying, "We're, we're not selling, we're not selling, and then came out a few weeks later that they sold. So, for the next contender, whoever wins between Poirier and McGregor will get the next title shot. That leaves Justin Gaethje out in the cold. The good thing is, the guy that lost, Michael Chandler, he can beat Justin Gage's next opponent and Justin beats him like there's no denying it. Because let me tell you something. Michael Chandler could have won this fight last night. He could have won. He had him rock like he had him in the similar position he had Hooker where he wanted to like get on his knees and started hitting him. But I guess he didn't want to like um I guess he didn't want to risk the chance of Getting caught in Charles's guard and getting some in it, cause let me he shut down Charles Oliveira's jujitsu. Like people want to deny me and say he didn't shut down Charles. Oliveira. Yes, he did, cause Charles had his back, and then he got he st- he got in his guard somehow, and for whatever reason he felt comfortable enough to stay there, because when he heard Charles Charles pull guard, well I'm pretty sure people listening to this watch the fight, 
and you saw how he stayed there. He was in dangerous positions that I kept yelling at the TV, get up, get up, get up. But he must have felt he must have felt something to be that confident. Cause I feel like when he hurt Charles, he should have let him get up, and they could have kept scrapping on the feet. And he would have caught him again. And he would have finished the fight. I don't know what they told Charles in that corner, but they told Charles something, bro. They told him, "You gotta do something, bro. Cause if that keeps going like this, we're gonna lose this fight." And he came out, and Chandler got caught, and he got finished. Now, is Chandler, what I was told, a Bellator scrub? No. Chandler's performance yesterday shows you that he's one of the best in the world. And now, I really want them to get Pitbull in the UFC, but I don't know. Like, that guy seems like he wants to stay in Bellator because he's making good money. Like, the enticement of being in the UFC, because, like I said, consensus is that if you want to be considered the best in MMA... You have to fight in the UFC. Because consensus is that if you're fighting anywhere else, you're not fighting the best. Is that the same thing? Like, if what you're interested in making is money? No. Because I've heard a lot of people, to make good money, they'd rather go to Bellator. Like, I heard a story about a fighter. I'm not going to say her name because I don't know how true it is. But it was a female fighter. That they offered her to go on the Ultimate Fighter. When they did, what did they do that for? The, yeah, when they did the flyweight tournament, then Nico Montoya ended up winning. They offered her to go on that show and be a, cont- a contestant. But she was making so much money with Bellator that she said, no thanks. Like, I understand, like, if you want to be the best, it's legacy, right? But a lot of, but... A lot of people think of it, I'd rather make more money. I don't care that it's what you won't consider the best. Like, that's fair too. Like, who am I to deny somebody making a good living just because I want to see if they're one of the best? Consensus, right? I think you could stay in Bellator and still prove you're one of the best, like Pitbull's doing right now. If you want to tell me his competition's mediocre, it's not. It's not because he's about to fight AJ McKee. I can't wait for that fight. With the landscape going on right now, I would like to see Michael Chandler fight Justin Gaethje. And I'm pretty sure Charles Oliveira is going to fight the winner of Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor. Especially last night because Conor put out a tweet saying, Good job, Charles. On being the 11th lightweight champion, I wonder who will be number 12. Alluding to his proper 12, Whiskey. I think that's what the quote said. I'll go check right now. But alluding to his proper 12, Whiskey, that he'll be the 12th lightweight champion. Let me see if I can find it. It says, congrats to Oliveira on becoming the 11th UFC lightweight champion. Wonder who 12 is. He put out a tweet saying that. And then Dustin puts out a tweet. Congratulations, Charles Oliveira. You earned that the hard way. Head up, Michael Chandler. Highest of highs and lowest of lows. Dustin, what a nice guy Dustin Poirier is.
And I believe Charles reacted to the yeah, it's right here. This is Charles, I guess, reacting to the tweet from Conor McGregor. Connor, since you're so tough, first of all, you beat Dustin, and then you come over to Brazil, and I'm going to put you on your ass. He's one of these guys that just talks a lot. He's got to beat Dustin first. That's him saying, when you're fight, I mean you're going to fight. That's just proving what I just said to you. So there it is. Oliver is going to fight the winner of McGregor Poirier. And I'm pretty sure he's banking on it being McGregor so he could get paid. Because fighting McGregor is like winning the lottery. You're going to get paid. And Justin Gaethje will fight Michael Chandler. Or Michael Chandler can fight Benil Darius, who I'm going to get into in just a moment. But we'll see, man. We'll see. Like, it's heating up. It's heating up. We're halfway through the year already, so I can't wait. To see what happens for the rest of the year. They're already announcing cards as far as September. They just announced Johnny Walker versus Tiago Santos. Which I believe is a mistake. I wonder if they offered it to Reyes. And, because Reyes took that nasty fall and got knocked out so bad. I wonder if they offered it to him and he said no. Because like, I don't think he should come. At the earliest I think we should see Dominic Reyes is... In December or early next year. I think September would have been too fast. And I'm pretty sure Tiago Santos. Because his last fight was against Alexander Wreckage. And like it was pretty lackluster. And they fought in March. So I'm pretty sure he was ready to come back. So he's going to fight Johnny Walker in September. And according to Dana. The rest of the fight nights are going to be in the apex. At least to the end of the year. Like I said. I think what they're trying to see is. How safe these last two events are. Because my understanding is. They have venues booked until July. Like August, September, October. Like those pay-per-views. They don't have venues booked for the pay-per-views. That will happen in those corresponding months. So we'll see. I guess they want to see how the events. With the virus and everything are going. If they see it's good, I guess they'll keep doing it. If not, they won't. Uh, moving on to Tony Ferguson versus Benil Dariush. Okay, let me get the bad out of the way. The bad is, I think Tony Ferguson, he peaked and he's on his downhill. Like, I feel that's what it is. You know what? Like... I don't know if upset is the right word or, like, what bothers me a little bit is that Tony's just getting outworked. Like, he's not getting his ass kicked. Like, other than the Justin Gaethje fight, Charles Oliveira, he didn't really put a beating on him. He almost broke his arm, but he didn't put a beating on him. Like, they're just outworking him and outpositioning him, which is a lot what Benil did. Like, Benil... I believe almost broke his knee and Tony for whatever reason just didn't tap. And like they just out working but it's not like he's getting his ass handed in him. In my opinion like if that's in, if you're, in your opinion that's getting your beat up. 
I don't know what to tell you, but like for me, like if you're getting like, it's what um, it's what Michael Chandler did to Dan Hooker. Like he beat that dude down. It's what Jorge Masvidal did to my boy Nate. Like Nate had his moments here and there, but for the most part, it was Masvidal. It's what happened to Ben Askren against Masvidal. Like, even Ben Askren versus Robbie Lawler, like, Robbie Lawler was beating Ben Askren down, bro. But, like, that's just not the case that what hap- what's happening with Tony. Like, even the Justin Gaethje fight was competitive because he hit him with the uppercut. Like, I don't understand what's happening. Like, I want to know what happened between that mega corner he had of Eddie Bravo, and I think the dude's name's Rashad, the boxing coach. That they were on the 12 fight win streak. I want to know why he keeps changing corners for every fight. Because in this one, he had Freddie Roach. I thought Freddie was going to help him out a lot. But I don't know, man. Like, is it. Is it that he's his own head coach? And, like, it's finally caught up with him that he needs somebody to take over and be like, no. Because what I'm saying is that he needs to work on his grappling. Not that his grappling's not good, but that he needs to work on, like, maintaining position. Because I think DC said it on the broadcast. Like, he's been so good with these crazy, wild grappling exchanges that when you get guys like Charles Oliveira and Benil Dariush, who are excellent grapplers and have a base, they just outperform him. Because that fight was not close at all. It was 30-27. All three rounds. Going back to the Charles Oliveira. Mike Chandler first round. I thought that was 10-8 for Mike Chandler. Because he he rocked him a couple times. And he like he shut down Charles's grappling bro. But just Charles caught him. Charles caught him. For Benil. He did what he had to do. Like, people were booing him, but, bro, he beat the number five guy. He deserves number four, three, two, or one. But they're all booked at this point. I know Dustin is number one. He's going to fight Conor McGregor. Where is it? He, I don't think he's going to fight just engage you because they're really good friends. I wouldn't be surprised if his next fight is Michael Chandler. Because he did say that he's about to have a baby and that he wants to have this baby and then come back towards the end of the year. He did say that. So if, they, if their time lines up, I wouldn't be surprised if Benio Darius fights Michael Chandler next. Because Charles is champion. And depending on when Mike comes back. Because he got knocked out. So he should take some time off. Depending on when Mike comes back. He's either going to fight Benio Darius or Justin Gaethje. Because I'm telling you. Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier are getting the next shot. The winner that's getting the next shot. I want to drive that point home. That's why I've been saying it so many times. It's in Barbosa. 
moving down to featherweight was the best thing to ever happen to that man because he just beat he just beat Shane Burgos who's number nine him and Josh Emmett would be a good fight but Arnold Allen's there too like Edson Barbosa's leg kicks are no joke bro like the power that guy has is no joke I think he should have made the move down to featherweight. Like, with Jose Aldo, like, Bantamweight has, like, revived that guy's career. Like, it's doing the same thing for Edson. Featherweight revived his career. He just beat Shane Burgos, bro. I think he should either fight the winner of Korean Zombie and Dan Ige, or you give him Josh Emmett. Because I think... I want to say, did Shane Burgos beat Josh Emmett? Let me check. But I don't think so. But I think that'd be a crazy fight right there. Hold on. Check. Okay, who won this fight? Did it end in a no contest or something? No, Josh Hammond beat him by unanimous decision. Yes, I haven't fight Josh Hammond. That'd be a crazy fight. Josh Hammond's knockout power, Edson Barbosa's kicks. Those kicks are nice, bro. Nice. Really nice. That's a crazy fight. I want to see that fight now. It was a crazy fight. And the way that fight ended was nuts. Because, like, Barboza hit him. And, like, he looked fine. And then all of a sudden, he just went down. Like, what the heck? So, yeah, I want to see him fight Josh Emmett. Can we see him fight Josh Emmett? And I believe the dude's name is Andre Muniz. The one that broke Jacare's arm. He wants to fight Nick Diaz next. I don't know if I agree with that. Like, I don't even know if Nick's going to come back at this point. I want him to, but I don't know if it's going to happen. Yep, Andre Muniz. And Venata. That was a crazy fight too. So was Jordan Wright. There was a lot of good fights, man. But for Tony, I think it's time, bro. I think it's time for him to hang it up. I don't know, man. Like, it's sad because he's not getting his ass kicked, but he's just getting out work, like. I want to know, again, like I said before, what happened with Rashad, what happened with Eddie Bravo, because that corner, they did wonders for him. I don't know if it's that he's in his own head and he's running his own camp, so if they're not yes-men around him, I don't know if he kicks them out or something. I don't know, man. Like Like I said, I thought Freddie Roach would be 
a good thing for Tony, but he just got shut down by Benio's grappling that he couldn't even show that. So now I'm going to move on to Rob Font versus Cody Garbrandt this weekend. I cannot believe this fight is flown under the radar so much. And the fact that it's a fight night with no crowd or a limited crowd, because I think they're starting to let the family members of the fighters attend. Um, it's crazy, bro. Like this Rob Font guy versus, I mean, Rob Font, not Rob. Rob Font, he's flown under the radar. Like, you're going to know who he is. If you follow the sport, if you don't follow the sport, you're not going to know who he is. Because he's one of those dangerous guys that flies under the radar for a while. Like, he reminds me a lot of Dominic Reyes, where, like, people felt like Dominic Reyes came out of nowhere. I'm like, that's not true, bro. If you're one of those people saying that, it's just that you're not following the sport. Like, there are those guys that if you don't follow the sport, you're not going to know who they are. And then they're in a big fight. You're like, who's this guy? It's not a bad thing. It's, it just happens from time to time. Okay, Rob Fawn versus Cody Garbrandt. My pick would be Cody Garbrandt, but that chin be suspect, bro. That chin be suspect. I don't know, that's that's the X factor here, right? Like Cause I haven't seen Rob fight enough to say like he has a suspension, but I know Cody Garbrandt has a suspension and I've seen Rob Fonts put dude to sleep, so I want Cody to win, but if you're going to put money on it, I would lean towards Rob Font. Um, Carla Esparza versus Jan Shinian. If Carla cannot get this to the ground, and I've only seen Jan Shinian fight once or twice, I don't... How tall is this girl? She's 5'5". Five five. How tall is Carla? She's 5'1". Eesh. I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. I just... I don't see Carla's stand-up being better than Jan's. And if she can't get her to the ground, I believe it's game over for Carla. So I'm leaning towards Jan Shinian on this one. Yeah, and she, her style is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And Carla's wrestling. But Jan has fought as low as Adam Wade. For those of you who don't know, there's a female division called Adam Weight that they fight at 105 pounds. Michelle Watterson used to fight at that weight. And we just saw her compete at 125. 
What a crazy fight this is gonna be, bro. I can't wait. This is the fight that's flying under the radar. This fight card, because there's a bunch of good fights on here. Like, those two fights could easily be on a main card pay-per-view. But they put them on a fight night for us. That's how good these fights are. And then there's one more I want to talk about. Felicia Spencer versus Norma Duma Viana. I believe Felicia Spencer. Oh, no, you know who I'm. Oh, what's that girl's name? Felice Herring. Felicia Spencer's the girl that fought Cyborg and Amanda Nunes. Ooh, Jack Hermanson and Edmund Shabazian. I believe either Jack Hermanson or Edmund Shabazian, one of them had COVID. They were supposed to fight this past weekend, but they just moved it to the next weekend. They were supposed to fight yesterday. I said this past weekend, my bad. They were supposed to fight yesterday, but one of them or one of their cornermen got COVID, so they just moved it to this upcoming weekend next week. Um, I like Jack Hermanson in that fight. I'm going, again, I want Cody to win, but if you're betting, you might want to bet on Rob. I like Jan Shinian in this fight. I'd go with Felicia Spencer and Jack Hermanson. There's another fight night after this? I thought the next one would be a paper. Oh, I didn't know that. So, Rosinha Rosenstrike and Augusto Sakai are going to fight June 5th? Didn't know that. Did not know that. Have they announced that? They haven't announced that, have they? I guess they have. I haven't seen it. Because they're going to put Amanda Hibas and Angela Hill on this card. They were supposed to fight. They were supposed to fight. When. Amanda Rodriguez and. Michelle Watterson fought. Her name's not Amanda. What's her name? Let me see her name. I Marina, sorry. Marina Rodriguez. I called her Amanda. I feel whack. Low-key, low-key. Her name's Marina Rodriguez. And Michelle Waters. They were supposed to fight there, but Amanda Hebas got COVID, so they pushed it to... June 5th. That's crazy, man. Like, Hamza got it real bad. So they, like, they're like, whenever he's ready. Alex got it so bad that they put him on the Ultimate Fighter so he could recuperate. But then some of these fighters get it, and then two weeks later, they're fighting. It's crazy the way the body reacts to the COVID virus. Let me see here what else can... Oh, let's go to current events. 
because then oh let me talk about this card real fast though leslie smith versus chris cyborg this friday if you guys don't remember this is a rematch this was it was either chris's first or second fight in the ufc where they had her cutting down to 140 and that was a tough cut for her because I think they really wanted to see if she could make Bantamweight so she could fight Ronda Rousey and all these other girls. But it was just a tough cover that they eventually gave in and made the featherweight belt. But even that was rough for them at first. Like, it was crazy because even Chris Cyborg, like, you would assume Chris Cyborg was well, Chris Cyborg. She's obviously in the inaugural featherweight fight. But it was Jermaine Durandamy and Holly Holm. And like, I don't believe Jermaine intentionally fought dirty, but she threw like two dirty hits. When I mean dirty hits, I mean like the bell had clearly rung and she still threw those hits that one rocked Holly. And like people were saying, you should have docked Jermaine Durandamy at least two points in that round, which I agree with because they were after the, the, the bell had rung. But anyway, to cut the story short, Jermaine Durandamy won that fight. She's like, oh, I feel great and all this stuff that she was ready to defend the belt. And as soon as I believe Joe Rogan, it was Joe Rogan interviewing her. As soon as he mentioned, he's like, so the next person you would face is Chris Cyborg. She went, she went, yeah, Joe, you know, I need to get surgery on my hands. See what's up. Like, dude, like. She was so terrified of fighting Cyborg that she vacated the belt. So then, I I think for the belt, you know who I think she fought? Hold on. I'm going to tell you guys. Yana Kutisnaev is, I believe, who, who she fought for the featherweight belt. Who currently fights at Bantamweight. Let me see. No, she, she fought Tanya Evinger. But she did fight Yana when she defended the belt. But to win the belt, she fought Tanya Evinger. Dude, that was a massacre. I'm telling you, bro. And no disrespect to Leslie Smith. Like, I can't say this. Like, I've been, like, what I wanted to say was the only competition for um, Amanda Nunes is probably Chris Cyborg and. Kayla Harrison, like they're the three-headed beast when it comes to the women's division and all of MMA, right? Because they have a real potential of fighting each other. Oh, and Valentina Shevchenko, let's not forget her. I don't include Rose Number Eunice or any of those girls because they're too small. But the four-headed beast in all of MMA would be Chris Cyborg. She fights in Bellator. Amanda Nunes and Valentina, who are dominating in the UFC. And then Kayla Harrison, who fights at 155 in the PFL. Like, if you can get those four girls in a cage and have whoever, like, have a mini tournament. And whoever wins that tournament, their consensus is the GOAT, bro. Like, like we all say Amanda Nunes is the GOAT. If she gets... If they do this, or if she fights those four girls and beats them down, 
She's already beat Valentina Chevchenko twice, but I'm telling you, if she beats her again, and she beats Chris Cyborg again, and then she beats Kelly Harrison, there's no argument for me. Amanda Nunes is the best, but those four girls have a stake to the claim of being the GOAT of women's MMA right now. Those four girls. Because I will... I'm telling you, bro, they need to do that. For me, Amanda Nunes needs to get in a room with Dana. If you can convince him to keep the featherweights around, I know you can convince him to do cross-promotional fight with Scott Coker for that Amanda Nunes fight. I know you can do it. If you can convince him to keep the featherweight division alive just because you wanted to, I know you can convince him to do cross-promotion with Scott Coker. And Dana's even said, I like Scott. Like, he's a good guy. Then, dude, I know what he doesn't want to do is because Pride did him dirty that one time, but he even talks to the guy from Pride. I don't know the guy's name from Pride, but he even talks to that guy. So I don't understand why they can't make this fight. Chris is happier in Bellator, good for her. But do this one fight for me, please. And if Amanda Nunes wins, I'll sh- the problem for me is I don't feel Amanda Nunes won that fight because when she rocked Chris Cyborg, Chris Cyborg went after her. Like, I'm like, dude, you had to box her up. Like, she can beat her. Like, Chris Cyborg can win that fight. She just has to fight smart. Like, is Amanda Nunes probably hit harder than her? Maybe. 100%, yeah. But, like, you can be smart about it and probably knock her out in the fourth or fifth round. Or maybe Amanda just has her number. Like, I'm a big Amanda Nunes fan. I don't want people to think I'm hating on Amanda and thinking, like, it was a fluky one. Like, no. I'm just saying. Her, for me, her... Her game plan, like, when she got hit, like, she just tried to rush her, and, like, she shouldn't have done that. I do know, I believe she went back to King's MMA with Rafael Cordero. I could be wrong. So, I want to see, like, his wrinkle, like, what he would do against Amanda Nunes, because at the time, she was training with Jason Perillo. So, I think with Rafael Cordero in her corner... It'd be a totally different game plan. So we'll see what happens. Um, who else? My boy Darian Caldwell is on this card. I don't know why Darian Caldwell is not ranked in the Bellator ranking. He's the co-main event. Who is he fighting? He's fighting Leandro Higo. Yeah, I think Darren Caldwell wins this fight. And then Payne Dranzan's husband, Austin Vanderford, is fighting Fabian Edwards. I don't know who Fabian Edwards is, but I'll pick Austin Vanderford. And then Bellator's, I guess, their version of Bronda Rousey. Because this girl's famous, bro. Where'd it go? I just saw Valerie Loretta's gonna fight, going to fight Hannah Guy. If this girl wins, superstardom for that girl, bro. Like, she's famous. 
and she's only got three fights in her career. Like my friends that don't even watch MMA outside of UFC know who she is because she's very good looking. Yes, she is. But that's that's my point. This girl, if she keeps winning, she's going to be famous. Valerie Loretta. Okay, we're gonna go to current events. We're gonna talk about Dana White and his favorite boxing organization, Triller. If you guys know the real story, you know that that was pure sarcasm for me. Dana White hates Triller. Here we go. Dana White is sick and tired of hearing Triller Fight Club, especially when it comes to constant calls and messages from company CEO Ryan Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh took to Instagram to blame the UFC for allegedly blocking George St. Pierre from coming out of retirement and boxing Oscar De La Hoya. Kavanaugh claimed he tried to call and text Dana five times to make it work for both parties but received no response. And then fast forward to the press conference. Okay, hold on. Let me talk about it. Why in God's name would George St. Pierre do that? Can you guys tell me that? You can't because you yourselves won't have the GOAT of MMA go and box Oscar De La Hoya, especially after what he did in the Jake Paul Ben Askren fight card where he they had him on commentary and he was partying a little too hard. Like, what's that going to do for GSP? Like, GSP is one of these guys that they don't need money. You know how I gave you the example of the female competitor who I didn't name? Like, he didn't, he cared about legacy. So for a person like him, I'd be like, okay, you care about legacy? Go to the UFC. Like, can I be honest with you? I would rather see Nick and Nate fight in Bellator because they probably make more money. They probably make a lot of money because of their cannabis. Game of nutrition, but... If they, if they didn't have that and they wanted to make money fighting, you'd probably be better off in Bellator. So going back to what I said, why would George St. Pierre fight Oscar De La Hoya? What does it do for him? He doesn't need money. He's doing movies. He just came out and that new, what is it, Captain Falcon and the Winter Soldier? I've been meaning to watch that. I haven't watched it, but I've been meaning to watch that. You know what I have been watching? Though? I've been watching Mighty Duck Game Changer. <sighs> it takes me back to my youth. Because if you guys didn't know, I watched all those movies, D1, D2, and D3. And this show is a continuation years after the story of that. So, Disney, please renew them for season two. The show is awesome. Can you just release all the episodes at once? Like, I, I don't like this weekly stuff. I understand why they do it, though. Anyway, getting back to GSP, sorry. Again, why would he do that? He's making movies. He's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Good on you, George. I'm very happy for you. Okay, Dana White goes on. I have no interest in talking to those idiots. They can do their thing. Do your thing. Stop talking to me. I don't even know what you're doing. What are you trying to build? What do I have to do with it? Or my guys? Do your thing. What are you doing? Are you starting an MMA organization? 
And then it goes on to say that Dana White didn't really answer the question, but then it does say something interesting. This is Dana White blasted Oscar De La Hoya for his constant jabs about the money being made by fighters at Triller, which is where the next battle is supposed to take place. At as he comes out of retirement to compete for the first time since calling it a career in 2008. You got Oscar De La Hoya, this effing idiot, in the car that night. Come out with us and make more money than you've ever made in your life. We've heard that before, White said, in reference to De La Hoya launching Golden Boy MMA for a single event. Chuck Liddell's here. Grab him. Ask him if he made more money. Than he ever made in his life when he went with Oscar De La Hoya. That's pretty much it. Because then he goes on to to bash Triller again. Like, what are you doing? Get out of here. Leave me alone, basically. That was the fun stuff there. Jacare Factor's humorous in UFC 262 loss. Will undergo surgery. E, good luck with that, Jacare. Let's read this. Let's, let's get the snippets on this. Michael Chandler is down, but not out falling lost in his first attempt at becoming UFC champion. That's right, man. Just why I'm fighting to his career with the promotion, the former Bellator mainstay was granted a shot at the vacant lightweight title after. Habib Nurmagomedov announced his retirement last year. Chandler made the most of his opportunity with a fast start in his first in his fight against Charles Oliveira on Saturday, as he blasted the Brazilian with the left hand early and led him to nearly earning a first-round finish with a guillotine choke. Later in the same round, Chandler buzzed Oliveira with another powerful punch that put the Brazilian down on the canvas, and he followed up with a flurry of shots in an attempt to end the fight. Oliveira found a way to survive to the final horn, and then just 19 seconds into the next round, he staged a dramatic comeback by blasting Chandler with a perfectly placed left hook that led to the stoppage. Again, bro. All you had to do was get up. All you had to do was get up and keep piecing him up on the feet. Like he was just, or you could see it in Oliver's face. He's like, damn, this guy hits hard. But the article goes on to say, first off, hats off to Charles Chandler said about the fight when speaking at the UFC 262 post-fight press conference. Hats off to Charles for surviving that first round, for surviving that barrage. Secondly, a huge thank you to the UFC for the opportunity I just saw Dana and Hunter and those guys back there. I really feel like I'm living a dream, win, lose, or draw. But here we are. Got a busted up eye, another loss on my record, but I've come back from worse. Felt like everything was clicking and there. Just got caught. Zigged when I should have. Zagged. Here we are talking to you without the belt on this table, but we're going to keep moving forward. While Chandler almost put Oliveira away on two separate occasions in the first round, he did have to fight through a harrowing moment of his own when he allowed the fighter with the most submissions in UFC history to take his back. Chandler eventually exploded out of position to escape Oliveira's grappling attack, which showed he had no fear of the ground 
with such an experienced Brazilian jiu-jitsu expert. You ain't wrong there, bro. He goes on to say, I love it. I love it. I loved it. I love to be able to show that I could stay composed against the best grappler on the planet, Chandler said. I somehow kind of let him take my back. I like to let guys take my back. Get that one-on-one. -on -one. I spun around into his guard just like I always do in a lot of positions. One of those deals where I didn't feel like I was in danger at all, but was kind of dumb because you're always in danger if Charles Oliveira has your back, but I feel comfortable in that scenario. Should I have let it get there? Probably not, but it is part of it, and fought through it. We wrestled through it, and we anti-jujitsu through it. It turns out I lost on the feet and not on the ground. Damn, you are right there. He shut him down, like I said earlier, like he shut it down. After nearly finishing the fight in the first round, Chandler was quick to engage in an exchange with Oliveira at the start of the second, which ultimately led to his downfall. That's true. Despite the outcome, Chandler has no regrets regarding his game plan because he did exactly what he was supposed to do, but Oliveira just got the better of him. You never get too aggressive. Aggressive is my style. Aggressive is me. Aggressive is who I am. Chandler said, it's the fight game. It's four ounce gloves you zig when you should have you zagged. And before you know it, Charles Oliveira is getting the belt wrapped around his waist instead of yours. Here's where we are. And then he goes on to say, like he's basically reiterating what I already read. One criticism that Chandler had regarding Oliveira before the clash at UFC 264 was his past tendency to struggle in the face of adversity. Throughout much of his UFC career, Oliveira was known as a tremendous frontrunner who could pour on the punishment when he was leading the charge, but he struggled when things didn't seem to be going his way. Oliveira dispelled that reputation on Saturday night as he survived the early onslaught in the first round and then stormed back and finished Chandler in the second. He showed that he had the gall to go through that, Chandler said about Oliveira. He got dropped. He got hurt. I was on top of him. He's really long, and he was really good at tying me up, so I couldn't rain down too hard of punches or elbows. He definitely got through some adversity tonight. He showed tonight that he's tougher than a lot of us thought he was. Hats off to him. He is our champion now at 155. I'm coming for that belt. I will be champion. I will be the UFC champion by the time my career is up. I got a taste of it tonight. Fell short. But as I said, every young man falls. But every young man gets back up. As far as answering his credit, Chandler didn't pay too much attention to those who said he got the UFC title shot too early in his career with the promotion. Or that he somehow didn't earn it by only having one fight under his belt inside the octagon. A quick look at his overall resume should have answered those questions, but Chandler was proud of what he did in the first round against Oliveira to prove that he belonged in there with the best that the UFC could throw at him. I mean, it is true. Like, you have to look at the thing as a whole. Like, I think Daniel Cormier said it, that if you're a homer for just one organization, like if you live in this bubble, 
Like, think about it, bro. It's because I can't compare it to anything else. Cause... <sighs> what else can I compare it to? Okay, think about it. Like, you're a football fan, right? And you only follow one team. Like, you don't pay attention to anybody else. Like, that's what that is. Like, think of, like, think of the UFC as, like, the, well, because they're the champs for right now. Let's think of them as the Buccaneers. But you don't think Kansas City could easily beat them? Like, you don't think a fighter from Bellator could beat, like, you don't think Patricio Pitbull could beat Charles Oliveira? You don't think Patricio Pitbull could beat Alex Volkanovski? You don't think AJ McKee could beat? Alex Wokonowski. Like, if I could get anywhere with this podcast, it's to drive the point that just because they come from Bellator or One or the PFL, somewhere outside of the UFC, doesn't mean that they don't belong. Like I don't I don't hold that truth to the regional circuit because I don't consider PFL I consider PFL Bellator 1 and UFC I consider them all the big leagues like the regional circuit the point of the regional circuit is for you to build your resume have the experience and confidence to go to one of these big organizations that's the point of the regional circuit like their job is to give you the next guy that's why that's why the UFC has all those, like, legacy fighting and all those on Fight Pass. It's so you can see, like, Cage Warriors, they know what their job is. Their job is to get these people that are making debuts or that are 2-0 and and give them a good-looking record so they can be ready to go to the UFC. That's what their job is. Okay, I'm going to read this last part from Michael Chandler. I was at home and there Chandler said, if you don't think I'm world class, that's fine. Do your thing. I think the people who understand the sport, the people who've seen my resume, who've seen my body of work, who've seen what I've done in the sport, the things that I've come through, just like every man has in the sport, then you know I'm world class. You know I can hang in there with these guys. He's just driving the point that I'm trying... If I don't get anywhere in my life with this podcast other than having fun talking all the smack that I talk, if I can get that one point across to two people, I'd be happy, man. Because it does make me sad. Like, I'm telling you, I took, I've taken this comment that my uncle told me. I've said this before. I've taken it very personal because these guys can, all these guys can throw down. I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. He told me the day Douglas Lima and Rory McDonald fought that he doesn't follow Bellator because it's not UFC is basically what he said. He would deny it, but he said that to me. Like, I have no reason to lie to you. And I'm like, dude, don't talk to me right now about that. Because at that point, they they had Mike Chandler. They have... Patricio Pitbull, they have AJ. Like, bro, if you're if you're a fight fan, 
If you're an MMA fan, you ain't excited about AJ McKee versus Patricio Pitbull. Like, that's on the same level as Brian Ortega versus Alex Volkanovsky of excitement of how excited I am for those fights. Did I ever finish talking about Leslie Smith versus Chris Cyborg? I don't think I did, so I'm going to go back to that. So, the first fight between Leslie Smith and Chris Cyborg, I believe it was Chris Cyborg's debut in, 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 the, in the organization. Let me see. It was in the UFC where they had her cut down to, at a catch weight of 140. Let me... Tanya Avenger, Leslie Smith. It was it was her debut because before that she defended the Invicta belt. Okay. She made Leslie Smith's ear explode. That's how violent that was. So I don't know how it's gonna go for her this Friday. I'm gonna watch it. Oh, I'm gonna watch it. I cannot wait. And I'm going to watch Valerie Loretta too. And I'm going to watch Paige Van Zandt's husband, Austin Vanderford. Austin Vanderford's cool, man. I believe he has a purple belt. But he took out Richie Martinez, who's a black belt under Eddie Bravo. He took him out by submission. Like, he went in there, like, all business, bro. So, watch out for that guy. That guy's cool. Let me see another current event. And then the last thing I'm going to talk about is the Nick Diaz situation, and I'll let you guys go. Let's look at another current event. And sorry if my microphone, I just hit my microphone on accident. I do apologize. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll do this last one and then call it a day for current event. With Stipe apparently off the table, John Jones' future in MMA depends on whether he wants to accept the UFC's terms. After battles public and private with the promotion, Dana White framed John Jones' status as dependent on his desires to fight. Not his willingness to take money offered for the matchups he's been linked to since announcing his move up to heavyweight. Okay. So I don't know if I've talked about this in length, but recently John Jones parted ways with first round management, Malki Kawa, Abraham Kawa. Now, I don't know who's helping him if he's doing it by himself. Because if he is, that's not good. He needs a middleman. Like this is what the managers are for. Like you need a middleman that's gonna take their emotions out of it and just look at it and be like, look. This is good for this. This is good for that. Let's take what they're offering us. And then if we win, we can see if the ball's more in our court. There's fights available, White told reporters at the UFC 262 post-fight press conference. They're here. I'm going to keep making fights every weekend doing fights. If John Jones wants to fight... 
He can't. If he doesn't, he doesn't have to. Nobody's going to make John Jones fight. He's had a great one. He's he had, He's got an incredible legacy. I personally see him as the GOAT right now. You've got guys that are nipping at his heels like Usman and some other guys out there. It's up to him. He can fight this summer or he can never fight it again. That's up to him. Why well, had previously flirted the idea of Jones facing Stipe, the most successful heavyweight champion in UFC history, as a consolation for apparently losing out on title shot against title holder Francis Ngannou. Jones was accepted to Jones was expected to face the champion before a public spat over his financial demands prompted the UFC president to anoint Derek Lewis as the next challenger. Like, John Jones is... It's, again, it's very easy for me to say this, but... Because I'm not a fighter, but... If I was in Jones too, I'd say, okay, I'm going to take what... Like, I even said this back when Usman was being hard to deal with when they were first trying to book him and... Maz, not Usman. When Jorge was being hard to deal with when they were first trying to book him and Usman on that July card. He should have took what they were giving him, trained his ass off, won that fight, and now that he had all the cards in his favor, be like, okay... Now it's my turn to tell you what I want. And then if, if it still doesn't go your way, you have the biggest flex and just drop the title and walk away like George St. Pierre did. A lot of that, uh, the reason George walked away is because he wanted different things and they wouldn't give it to him. She's like, okay, you're not going to give it to me. I'm just going to walk away. That's what George did. And then he came back and won the middleweight belt many years later. Not many, few. But I don't know. I don't know what John Jones' deal is like. I don't know, man. But that's enough of that. Hold on, hold on. It goes on to say, why acknowledge Jones winning the heavyweight title would be like Tom Brady going out and winning another Super Bowl with the Bucks. Obviously, going up to heavyweight, it would be tough to argue if he wins the title that he's not the goat. That possibility still didn't change John Jones' position with the UFC in the end. Why indicated the ex-champ can honor his current contract or accept the legacy he built up at this point. That's another thing, bro. Like, cause uh, the problem is this guy named Conor McGregor. He came in. He came in right. And he's made the company so much money that he would do like one fight deals and like ink a four fight contract. But after each fight, he would renegotiate his contract. Something Nate does. But Nate and Connor recently have said, like, bro, I've made my money. I just want to fight. Like, I believe Nate has two fights left on his current contract. And I think Connor has four on his current contract. Because I think he's still fighting on the contract that he he signed right before his Khabib fight. And I believe it was a five-fight deal. So it, it was, he either has three fights left or four fights left on his contract. 
And I don't know, how, like, I wonder how many fights John has on his It has to be. It just depends when he signed, right? I would, if I'm, I don't know anything, but I'm assuming it would be at the very least one, at the very most three. But the problem is, because Dominic Reyes almost beat him, I think John feels that he's lost a step and he's trying to cash out before he calls it quits. This is my opinion, right? I have no facts on this. And then it ends right saying, right here, right now, he could retire. I still consider him to go until somebody else accomplishes what he has, White says. But that's the thing, it, like, Usman right now, because Usman, like, the problem is, John hurt himself a lot, right, with all the legal troubles he had, like, there was, there were sporadic moments where we wouldn't see John for a while, where Usman is constant, 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 like, I don't understand how Usman's not number one pound for pound because he's active, like, that's another thing, if I can get that point across, I'd be happy with this show, like, if I could get people to accept good outside talent, outside the UFC and drive the fact that if you're not active for at least a year, get taken out the rankings, including the pound for pound ranking, Usman should be number one because of his constant work. Like it reminds me of how constant GSP was back in the day. Okay. That's enough for current events. The last thing we are going to talk about is the Nick DS situation. Bro, my boy Nick be looking good. He's training with Tyson Fury. They're training MMA. They've been talking to UFC. I've been talking to his manager. His manager doesn't want to tell me anything. But I know he gets my messages, Kevin. I know you get my messages, Kevin. Oh. Oh, wait a minute. I'm saying last thing. I'm going to finish talking about the Nick Diaz thing. But, Kevin, I know you get my messages. Okay. But right now, with Nick Diaz, Dan Hardy's trying to get him to go to Ryzen. So they can fight there because Dan Hardy recently got let go of his contract. But I see pictures of Nick. He's saying war is near. They must know something that we don't know. I'm telling you, bro. August. Let's look at August. Think back to the interview that Brett Akamoto did with Habib right when this pandemic started that they were all hoping by August of last year that it would open up and would they be able to do a fight in California, Northern California? And let's not forget, Tachi Palace is still play in play here. Dana White said, when California op opens up, I'm going to bring an event to Tachi Palace because of how cool they were with me trying to get that first UFC fight back in April. They were ready to go. They were ready. But they pulled the plug because of Disney. And I know they're going to do a pay-per-view. August the 7th. Because they just announced a fight. Let me see who. They just announced a fight. And I believe that, that they're looking at that card to hold Volkanovski versus... Ortega. Okay, they just announced 
Uriah Hall versus Jordan Strickland for August 7th, UFC 265. I guarantee you they're going to do Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega that card. I guarantee you that's probably where they're going to have the Tachi Palace come into play. Because they're opening it June 15th. We got to see, man. Like, I don't know. I'm going to email the people at Tachi Palace today, if not sometime during the week. Because that has to be it, right? I mean, it lines up Brian Ortega's from California. Imagine having Nick Diaz on the co-main event. His brother's doing five rounds. You don't think Nick Diaz famous enough to do five rounds non-main event? But the question becomes, who does he fight? They're saying he does that he doesn't believe Hamza Chimaya. Ali Abdel Abdel is saying if if I make Hamza Chimaya versus Nick Diaz, I deserve to go to jail. Kevin Mubenga is saying Hamza Chimaya has not deserved a shot at Nick Diaz. So the question becomes, who has deserved a shot at Nick Diaz? There's two names of that come to my mind, which is Robbie Lawler or Carlos Condit. Can I get one of those guys? I just want to see Nick fight. He looks good. He looks in better shape than he did when he was actually fighting. He's training with Tyson Fury. They're training MMA. Like, he's not getting in shape for no reason, bro. Unless he's just bored. And, like, that's the only thing he wants to do is get in shape. That That's cool, too. But I feel like he's doing... They're talking. Like, I don't think Dana White's telling the truth. Like, they're talking. Now, could it be because Dana White came out and said that he doesn't... I have the quote right here. I sit down daily or talk daily with hungry young savages that want to break into the top 10 and become world champions and all that stuff. Nick Diaz has done it all, seen it all. He's been in big fights. I just don't see that in him when I talk to him. He's basically saying that he doesn't see the drive that Nick Diaz had when he was younger. But is he saying that because Nick Diaz wants a lot of money and he wants to fight certain people? And, like, Dana doesn't believe he's worth that money? Or is he saying that because Nick is being hard to deal with? Like, can I get Robbie Lawler versus Carlos Condit? I mean, not not against each other, but one of them versus Nick Diaz? Please? I mean, imagine his brother beats Leon Edwards. I, Nate's very capable of being Leon Edwards. Like, it depends on how that fight plays out, I think. Because I do know that he, Nick wants to fight Jorge for the BMF belt. Nick Diaz returning 2021. Okay, the last thing I wanted to talk about was all these fights that got announced last week. Alexander Pantoja versus Brandon Roy, Royval. August 21st, fight night. Banging fight. That fight's going to be fireworks. Paul Daly versus Jason Jackson, Bellator 260, June 11th. I believe that's the undercard of 
Daily versus that that guy from Ukraine. I forgot his name. That's like 25 and 0. Bang and fight. I don't understand why they're doing it at catchweight at 175. That I don't get. Conor McGregor is the number one Forbes athlete at $180 million. He's made the most. Banging athlete, bro. Congrats, Conor. You deserve it all, brother. Coming from welfare and now being one of the richest athletes in all of sports. My mom can't stand Conor. I'm like, Ma, you just can't stand greatness, bro. Like, Don't be a hater. Tiago Santos versus Johnny Walker, September 25th. I think I talked about this. Damn, they're already doing, they're already announcing fights for September. I just wonder if they're already looking at a fight to go back to Madison Square Garden. Uh, I didn't talk about Kelly Harrison. We'll talk about Kelly Harrison next week. Pablo Costa returns. To fight Jerry Cannonier August 21st. That's the main event. And they're going to fight at the apex. So we're going to hear all the fucking hits. Can I, I want to say something about this fight though. Shout out to Vali Ishmael. I DM'd him. He got back to me right away. I asked him. I'm like, so is Paulo fighting Jerry Cannonier? He told me, yeah. I asked him when. He didn't get... By the time I asked him, they had just announced it, so he he just looked at it, and I guess assumed that I'd find it eventually. But shout out to Valid, that guy's awesome. Thank you for getting back to my messages, bro. I really appreciate you. Derek Brunson versus Darren Till is gonna happen a week before that, August fourteenth. Dang, what crazy fights are happening. Middleweight's heating up. Middleweight's heating up. Islam Makachev is going to fight Tiago Moises. Bro, they messed up right here. It should have been Gregor Gillespie, but I wonder if it's because his nose is broken and Islam wants to fight. I could respect that. Matus Gamra versus Jeremy Stevens. I don't know if I said his first name right, but Gamra... Jeremy Stevens can't do what he did to the last guy and push him because I just saw a video of Gamera. He got into a guy's face and they, they started talking mess. And I don't think Jeremy Stevens want to be doing that with Gamera. He might do it because he's crazy, but he might do it. That's a crazy fight right there. I can't wait for that one. Is Islam main event? They usually say if it's main event. No, it's, he's not. They're not sure yet. But he's not main event. As of right now. And I just talked about this. Uriah Hall is going to fight Sean Strickland August 7th. I believe there's something telling me that that's going to happen in Tachi Palace. There's something telling me that. There's something telling me that. And that Volkanovski and Ortega are going to fight on that card. Possibly the return of Nick Diaz. With that said, guys, I'm out of here. Enjoy your week. And finally, you know how I keep saying I think my Twitter is this? I can finally with confidence tell you my Twitter is at official underscore PITM. My Instagram is at punched in the mouth official. Follow me there. Um, 
I'll be sending out emails as early as today, maybe starting tomorrow, but hopefully as early as today. And trying to get some content up. Alright guys, enjoy your week. Stay safe. Deuces.